Good evening, everybody. Welcome into the Villanova Basketball Report. It's live here on Bob Long Sports. You can find us on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter, and on SoundCloud. Just search Bob Long Sports. Lots of ways to get the show, whether you like to, when you're driving, just listening to podcasts, you can put us on audio. If you like to see all the visual elements we have, we're going to be going to the whiteboard in coming weeks and a lot of other great features. We have visual ways to view it as well. And these guys right here are who do the show together with me. Bob Long, Kevin Long, K-Mac, and Tom Trainer are all here. Gentlemen, this Villanova team got back to basics in the second half against Georgetown, a really strong second half effort, and came up with what ended up being a pretty convincing win by the time it was all said and done. Let's start with Kevin Long coming to us from New Jersey. Your thoughts on what you saw out of the Wildcats on Friday night? So I, I thought it was a good test to see these guys go down early and uh, was very encouraged by the way that they fought back. And, and I'm really not all that disappointed with the way that they played in the first half. And, and by saying that, I think they were getting open shots. I think they were getting some pretty good looks. Uh, it just wasn't quite falling for them in the first half. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not all that disappointed in the effort that they were putting out there, but uh, like Villanova does, they, they usually find their stroke at some point in the game, and they obviously got hot. They went on a, two big runs there to, to eventually tie the game and then stretch out the lead even further uh, down the stretch in the last couple of minutes. Um, so overall, really encouraged with the way that this team played. I think we're starting to see some different rotations in there right now. I think possibly even a changing of the guard here in, in their starting lineup. You know, a guy in Jermaine Samuels who's been in there for about two years now, and, and Colt Swider is really just catching fire right now. He's, he's shooting the ball well. He really did that at the end of last year too. And I think we're starting to see his defensive game develop as well. So I'm really intrigued to see in the next couple of weeks here how that starting battle between Cole Swider and Jermaine Samuels ends up. K-Mac, what'd you see down there? McDonough Hall, Villanova, Georgetown. Yeah, to continue with Swider, I mean, I think Tom mentioned it last week when he got uh, – he hit that three and was really animated afterwards. We were hoping that he kind of built on that, and it looks like he did. Um, Samuels, I mean, still would be good off the bench, very athletic guy to bring in as his sixth man. Um, so, yeah, I think that's probably the biggest thing coming out of the game also. And kind of looking like a Villanova team of old, uh, shooting a lot, of, a lot more threes than they have been in the last few – uh, games this year tom uh the the whiteboard behind me says back to the fin without fans well mcdonough hall has no fans and it's interesting with with georgetown playing every game at what is now capital one arena in the past and having to go to a a little gym pretty cool atmosphere but a little while to get the sea legs back under them for villanova not much of a different atmosphere than it's been the past handful of years i mean um, going to D.C. to play Georgetown has been a sleepy affair of late regardless. Um, Georgetown fans, unfortunately, haven't had too much to be excited about. Um, despite how close the Hoyas played Wildcats last season. Um, and this game for me this past weekend, Bob, was um, first another great sign and indication just of all of the pieces this team has. Um, I think this was another big game from Gillespie and was a huge game for Caleb Daniels, those two guys making five three-pointers apiece, um, many of those in the second half. Um, and then this was also the same Georgetown we talked about last week, right? Like they looked like a phenomenal basketball team 
scoring with ease at times the first 15 minutes of the contest, um, playing disciplined basketball. They didn't have their first turnover until the 621 mark of the first half. And then the end of the game, with 12 turnovers overall, and Villanova wins the turnover margin. So this is the story of Georgetown basketball. They can look great, you know, for 10 minutes at a time and then look like the bottom of the Big East other times. Um, and, you know, again, I hope that Patrick Ewing can write that ship um, as he get more, gets more of his guys and his recruiting class and his culture um, in the program. But I think this is just still where Georgetown basketball is. Um, and I think for Villanova, I think this is a year where we have another team that can make a deep run because of all of the pieces they have because of new additions like Caleb Daniels. I think my biggest takeaway from that game against Georgetown was that the defensive delta, first half to second half, Tom, you mentioned it, Georgetown, they looked like they could score with anybody in the first half. It also didn't look like there was anybody really there to defend for most of that first half. Slow on the closeout. And really the biggest thing, and let's give Georgetown credit for this, they have size down low, two bigs that can really make life difficult. And Jeremiah Robinson Earl, for what he is, which is a very technically sound defender and, and really good for his size, can be a rim protector. He also can get bullied around a little bit and we saw that at times and ancillary defenders making decisions do they commit down low or do they have to stay out on the wing to prevent the kick out and neither whatever they ended up doing most of the time it was the wrong answer here's what Villanova did so well in the second half they denied the ball and they did the work ahead of time so when a big catches the ball and he has a size and a weight advantage and he catches the ball you know five seven feet from the basket Forget about it at that point. He's done the work ahead of time, and now his natural advantages are going to allow him to score more often than not. But Villanova does such a good job when they, I'll say, are defending with more purpose of fronting and having backside help, forcing the opponent to make that perfect lob pass over the top into the block, uh, where you're either going to you know, not throw it out of bounds or not have another defender coming from the wing to – or from the baseline to intercept. Villanova does a really good job when they're more active, when they're fronting. And I felt like in the first half, Kevin Long, that this defensive effort struggled to do the work ahead of time off ball to keep the Georgetown bigs out of the paint. Yeah, I agree. I think they were letting Pickett and Wahab get down into the paint at will. And Jeremiah Robinson Earl was not doing a great job fronting them, nor was, Jermaine Samuels. And, uh, you know, I think that was part of the reason why he ended up ceding a little bit of time to Cole Swider in the second half. Uh, obviously, he had some offensive struggles, but Cole Swider actually did a pretty good job guarding some of those bigs in the second half, which was very surprising. I mean, he's a big guy. You don't notice it sometimes, but he's six eight. He's just as big as, as some of those big men, probably about the same size as Pickett was and did a good job. He got tough down there. He was able to defend and, and make Wahab a little bit uncomfortable and, and push him out a little bit further than, than where he's used to dropping those baskets in. So was very encouraged by the way that they came out in the second half strong. Uh, and again, you know, I'll echo what I said before, very encouraged by Cole Swider's development as a defensive player uh, which will allow him to make even more contributions on the offensive end, which is a strong suit. Yeah, and, and Tom, on this one, because you know I like Eric Dixon, right? I mean, he's, I think, has a chance to be a really good player, 
can develop into a really good defender, can shoot the ball a little bit from the outside, and can slow things down with his back to the basket. He feels like a guy that should be able to defend a guy like Pickett. However, he didn't really give himself the opportunity because he had two reach fouls, one on the sideline by the Villanova bench that didn't even really let him get into the mix defensively to say, hey, Coach Wright, I can be the guy that can have the weight with me and can defend on the block. And I was a little disappointed. I know we'll see it in time. I was a little disappointed that he never got the chance to run against Wahab and, and Pickett. Certainly. And, you know, eight minutes isn't what you want to see out of Eric Dixon, um, especially after promising outings against Hartford and Texas. He's getting, you know, closer to 20 minutes in both of those contests. Um, so a bit of a relapse again. And um, that's because of those, um, uh, you know, those early fouls that you mentioned. Um, but for me, guarding the post, uh, or at least Villanova basketball's bread and butter when it comes to guarding the post, has been all about the guard play around the perimeter. Uh, and pressing the ball in the perimeter, hands up defense. I mean, that was the blueprint to their success against North Carolina in 2016 National Championship game. Um, you know, and everybody was saying, you know, how is Villanova going to guard at this front court? Now, I mean, um, and, and so you're giving up 28 points to the Georgetown front court um, starters um, on Friday night um, shows that there's certainly work to be done. Um, I think that we've seen at times, like we mentioned on this show, um, I don't know why it is, maybe some. I think lackadaisical might have been the word we've used, but a a little bit slow, maybe getting to the ball um, at times on the perimeter, a little bit slow closing out um, on the ball recently. Um, And we we still see disciplined Villanova defense, but we don't don't seem to see the the ball pressure or that frenetic energy on the perimeter that we're used to seeing just yet. Um, Certainly, I think that might come. I don't know why we're not seeing that. Um, but that's, that's where guarding the post for Villanova has always started, on the perimeter, not giving the ball handlers um, on the wings a visual to the post. Um, and so I think that's where we could do a little bit of a better job to help out Dixon, JRE, Swider, Slater in the post, um, or whoever it is in the post, because we know Villanova likes to switch so much. But that's where it starts for me. Not a great uh, game for Dixon, but it's going to happen. Um, yeah. You know, you're going to get into foul trouble. Um, I, I still um, am looking for big things to come from him as we move forward. And it's not the fouls. It's the nature of the fouls, right? He, d- he didn't even get into the game. It was two reach fouls. He wasn't banging away inside. You need to reserve those fouls, especially when, you know, you're the real one wide-bodied guy that can play for this team if he develops into that 25 to 30-minute-a-game uh, type of guy. You need to reserve those fouls. Uh, for, for when you're banging away. A guy who, in the past, a Big East foe that didn't do as good a job at that and got himself and his team into trouble and led to Villanova going to a Final Four was Dewan Blair for Pitt, right? He'd hedge really hard on these screens. He'd get out and defend too far, out of his comfort zone, and now you're dealing with a, a shiftier, quicker ball handler who can drive at your outside hip And in both the regular season game in 2009 and the – regional final against Villanova Blair got himself into foul trouble those ways again one game not worried about Eric Dixon it's just something I'm seeing we want to see him hands up garden where he's comfortable and really earning the fouls that he uh, that he does commit but to KMAC now so all the struggles in the first half defensively really bore out in the second half when they only give up 17 points and you see that easy and the quick switch that Tom was talking about and the help defense when it is a Colin Gillespie 
ending up on a big down low. Uh, the ability to either switch or help and recover, uh, I, I think that was night and day from the first half to the second half. And, you know, makes you wonder how, how easy is it to translate that into one 40-minute effort as the season goes on and these players develop. Well, first, I want to defend DeJuan Blair. I mean, he had no ACLs, so come on. you got to give him a break <laughs> for hedging on those. But also, yeah, I mean, it, the positive thing is that they did successfully make those adjustments uh, after half, and uh, Jay saw exactly what they needed to do, uh, and the team was able to do it. Uh, but, yeah, it's talking about a game of two halves. I mean, they were down by 18, I think, in the first half. Uh, so to come back and win by 13 is unbelievable. and just shows how well they had made those adjustments and shot in the second half. No doubt about it. This is the Villanova Basketball Reports here on Bob Long Sports. Bob Long, Kevin Long, K-Mac, Tom Trainer, all here today to talk about what was a strong win against Georgetown, a game that looks like they were going to get run out of the building in the first half. Uh, where is this team now, guys? They're 1-0 in Big East play. It looks like Creighton and Villanova may be the class of the Big East, but a lot of strong teams across the league, one of which is going to Come to Finn on Wednesday night. Butler facing the Villanova Wildcats. How's everybody feeling about where this team is now relative to where you may have thought they'll be? We'll kind of go reverse order here to, to KMAC. Uh, this will be their first game at the Finn or even in the state of Pennsylvania uh, this year. And, and how they've acquitted themselves on, on the road or in neutral sites I think gives you a little bit of confidence. Yeah, and um, I mean, how much does that really matter? How much does home court matter right now with no fans? I think it helps. Obviously, you get to stay at your house or wherever you're living and uh, it's to be more comfortable where they're at. But I mean, it seemed like they were getting comfortable on the road anyway. Um, but yeah, it, sh it should be better for the team to get back and maybe get into a, a routine um, going forward. I, I mean, not not sure how much of a routine you can get into, but. Hopefully having some, some normalcy will be better for the team. Tom, your thoughts on a little status update? Well, I think one way to think about where Villanova is is in contrast to the team they're playing Wednesday night. Villanova has played, what, six games at this point? Um, seven games at this point? Um, Butler hasn't played a game since November 25th um, against Western Michigan. They've played one game all season. Um, so I think Villanova fan, as we've said last week, you know, we've learned a lot about this team quickly. Um, you know, they played, the, they played in that early season tournament um, up in Connecticut, and then they had an additional game against the Virginia Tech, an additional game against Hartford, and then, um, you know, go down to Texas. And, and so, so we've learned a lot about this team, and you can't say the same about Butler. Um, and uh, what you can say about Butler is they, they're a big question mark. Uh, no, no more Kamar Baldwin. Um, no more Sean McDermott. Um, they're led by, uh, you know, two seniors in the backcourt, but players that were largely role players uh, the past few seasons, Aaron Thompson and Jair Bolden. Um, so for Villanova, we, we seem to be figuring out what they are, and we have no clue yet what Butler is. Um, you know, that, that, you know, to me, sounds like a great thing. If you're Villanova, you should be pretty confident coming into this game, but at the same time, we just don't know uh, the Butler team that we are going to see on Wednesday night. And finally, to Kevin Long here. Yeah, I think I think the things we've learned, first of all, is that Jeremiah Robinson Earl is ready to take that next step and, and ready to be one of the top players in the country. He really has shown us a lot. He was 
certainly great last year, freshman of the year in the Big East, but has taken that next step, and, and you always need to account for him when he's on the court. So he, he's been tremendous in the early part of the season, uh, as has a lot of our bench players. I think that we've shown a lot of depth this year that I wasn't expecting right out of the gate, especially with, with Antoine out again. It looked like maybe we wouldn't have depth, especially early in the year, but guys like Slater have shown some promise early. Uh, Dixon has shown a lot of promise as a young freshman, and uh, Swider has seemed to improve his game a little bit as well. So very encouraged by the way this team is coming along. Oh, and can't forget Caleb Daniels has come in as a very strong transfer Um you know, the bets that I think we've seen in a while, which has been really, really encouraging. Um, now, we haven't played the best competition so far yet, I would say. Um, the Virginia Tech loss was certainly disappointing, but we have a huge test coming up against Virginia, and I think that's really going to be a, a big barometer for this team to see where we are at, see if we are ready to compete with the top teams in the country, uh, which, which I believe we are, and, and I'm really looking forward to that one. Yeah, I, I wasn't really sure how disappointing a loss Virginia Tech was until Penn State wiped them off the floor last week. That was really surprising. Uh, happy for the Penn State guys. but um, and, and listen, there were a hundred different things that happened during the Virginia Tech game uh, and, and a game that they should have won. But Penn State was quite effective, and that, that plummeted Virginia Tech down and out of the top 25 rankings, and rightly so. But, uh, you know, you look at this year and, and this team, you mentioned Brian Antoine, Demir Cosby, Roundtree, a little housekeeping so that folks are aware if they didn't hear, really no timetable for either of their return as it came from the program just this week. So, yes, guys, I think as, as a, a group here and as a fan base Villanova fan should be preparing for an eight-man rotation made up of Eric Dixon, Cole Swider, and uh, and – Brandon Slater coming off the bench. I would not expect any more depth for a very long time. I mean, if they're a long ways off, listen, we're, the season started late. It's almost late December. They're going to play a couple games and then be done until early January. Uh, what meaningful minutes could they reasonably play, those two guys, even if they got healthy in the next month? Yes, especially uh, Ryan Antoine uh, not getting a whole lot of minutes last year either dealing with um, an injury as well. So you really don't know if you have a chance to, to be able to get him into a, any games with meaningful minutes. Uh, Demir obviously has been there before, but is he a guy that they would use? I don't know that right now you would put him in before you put Eric Dixon in. So uh, I would definitely see – going forward without those guys for a little while. Yeah, and Tom, I mean, definitely on Eric Dixon versus Demir, right? You have a, a body of work with Demir. Uh, I think in some ways he does a few things you could say better than Eric Dixon. I think the ceiling for Dixon is certainly way higher. With Brian Antoine, you almost wonder what type of role he would play when he's on the floor. It's a shame because uh, he got the sense uh, during the summer that um, Jay Wright and the coaching staff were, were pretty hopeful and pretty high on Brian Antoine coming into this year, um, that he had a great attitude coming off of last season, sitting out um, and put in the work. And there, there was just an energy and aura of positivity 
around him and, and the people in the program were definitely excited to see what he could do. So it's, it's just a shame and you feel for the kid. Um, second straight season, as you guys have said, the, the time is ticking on this season already. Um, and, and so you don't know, I mean, what could he bring to the table? We, we don't know. We saw him in such a limited fashion last year. Um, I, I don't know if he's, I mean, uh, maybe my guess from what you hear from, you know, highlights from high school that you would see. I mean, he was such a highly touted recruit um, as maybe a bit more of a polished offensive player. Um, but at this point in time, I don't know. I mean, and this is again, a shot in the dark really, but how different would he be from a Brandon Slater at this point? Um, a, a Brandon Slater. Well, well, that's, that's no, no knock on Brian Antoine's potential. Sure. That's lack of experience and where Brandon Slater is in his career as a junior and and where Brian Antoine is as a sophomore who hasn't played any meaningful minutes yet um, for Villanova. Again, not a knock yep. at Brian Antoine. It's just I think if we were to see Brian Antoine at any point this season, you know, if, if it now looks like it probably would be in the latter half of the season where he's already missed, you know, two real years of real competitive basketball minutes in any meaningful way. Um, you know, how much, you know, more is his role going to be than a player like a Brandon Slater who has had time to develop and who I think is starting to come into his own bit by bit. So yep. I think it's similar to the question of, you know, does Dada fill Eric Dixon's spot, right? Or have we found Dada's role in an Eric Dixon? I think the same could be said just for so many question marks and lack of experience when it comes to Brian Antoine and um, Brandon Slater. So this eight-man rotation, all that to say, this eight-man rotation we have right now, I don't know how much that changes if you get either of those players back. Yeah, I don't disagree. And my reaction wasn't to say that your take wasn't fair or, or crazy or anything like that. It's just, again, how the mighty have fallen. It's circumstance-based with a couple of injuries for Antoine and a guy that came in with every bit of, if not more hype than Jeremiah Robinson Earl in certain circles and just the diversity of those paths. Unfortunately, you feel bad for the kid. Uh, if nothing else, he, he should be back next year, either with Villanova or elsewhere. And there's no real inclination that he would necessarily transfer. Jeremiah Robinson Earl is going to go to the NBA. Uh, Brian Antoine, I think the assumption was that he would in, in due time as well. That's simply not going to happen without any film. So uh, he should have an opportunity, at least somewhere, and probably here at Villanova, to develop those skill sets and truly experience college basketball at some point in the near future. And K-Mac, I'll get you in on this as well. Yeah, I mean, just shouting out to JRE too. I think I've seen him around the top 10 in an NBA mock draft. So he definitely has shot up uh, very far already. Um, but yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with Tom. Like we, it's hard to say and hate, we hate to say that we don't know anything, but I mean, we, we honestly don't. And, uh, I mean, with no timetables, they're not telling us anything. Uh, it, it's, I, I, I agree with Tom that it's, it's hard to see anything change going on in the near future. All right. So let's move on. Talk a little bit about UVA. Villanova goes to... Madison Square Garden, the world's most famous arena. Uh, if, if we say that the Palestra is the Mecca and the Cathedral of College Basketball, and from a standpoint of Villanova, the most historic arena they play in each year, 
Madison Square Garden, a close second. Uh, different type of arena, but every year they play the Big East Tournament there. Tremendous lineage with the Big East, and they will play Virginia at their home away from home. They've had a home-and-home home with Virginia in recent years, a couple of tremendous games. But the Cavaliers this year, at least early on, seem to be scuffling at times offensively. Defensively, they're going to be rock solid. What do you guys look forward to with this weekend's game? 8 o'clock start, Kevin Long, we'll start with you. Yeah, so I'm just interested to see how this Virginia team is going to come out. I, I sort of expected Virginia to have a similar response to what Villanova has had uh, since their loss, but uh, they really have not done that. They or they, they won a, a somewhat close game to St. Francis, which you would not have expected to, to be close. And, and then, um, you know, a, a close loss against, or I'm sorry, a close win over Kent State in overtime. So not really sure what's going on with this team right now. Sam Hauser has been a great addition for this squad. I expect to see him do some good things offensively, like we've seen him do in the Big East in the past. Uh, I expect them to hold us defensively, and, and we're really going to need our shooters to, to shoot the ball well. We really are not going to be able to get away with the first half like we did uh, over the weekend. I, I think that we're going to have to come out shooting better. I think uh, Jermaine needs to shoot a little bit better, and we need to get the ball in Colin Gillespie's hands earlier. I think it, it took long for him to uh, start putting up shots on his own. He was, he was giving up open looks to other guys, and no credit to him for doing that. That's, that's kind of the way that Villanova always runs, but really need to get hit the ball in his hands more often, get him shooting the ball more, because he, he's been lighting it up, especially on Friday night against Georgetown. K-Mac, Nova, Virginia on Saturday night. Yeah, I expect a, a slow, boring game, as usual, that Virginia plays. Uh, <laughs> their typical brand of basketball. But, I mean, that makes every possession more valuable, and you got to make sure that you're not uh, turning the ball over, making stupid fouls. Uh, Virginia shooting 37% this year as a team from three, which is very high, so got to get out there on the perimeter and defend. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm expecting a good game. I mean, between these two teams, we have seen some great games in the past. Yeah. Virginia basketball, a thing of beauty, according to John Rothstein. So we might disagree with you there, Kevin. How not about you, Tom? <laughs> um well it'll be a great test for us on the offensive end um you know virginia is a great on-man um man-to-man defensive basketball team um every year um and so it'll it'll be a, a big test um for our team in terms of you know where is our offense um and virginia does such a great job of taking away um your biggest threats so you know Will we look for a big game out of a role player? You know, could this be the Jermaine Samuels game where he's feeding off of other people who are trying to create um, and more fitting in in his role? Um, Probably then, not, but we'll see. <laughs> oh, you, you might need to follow up on that, Pop. Um, but, uh, but yeah, this Virginia team, we just don't know what they are um, just yet. I mean, they, haven't, they won't have played a basketball game since December 4th. They haven't played anybody. Their game against Michigan State was canceled. Um, as Kevin Long mentioned, you know, they, not only have they lost to San Francisco, but barely got by St. Francis of PA. Um, hey, that so team's good, by the way. St. Francis of PA. Red flash, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but we just don't, don't know what this basketball team is. They probably don't even know what they are just yet. 
Um, so, so we'll see. But, but the one thing we do know is that Virginia, once again, is a solid defensive team, um, and it'll be a good test for where our offense is at, and maybe we'll see some role players um, shine on Saturday night. No doubt about is, is that it. the title of the show, Tom? We don't know. We don't know a lot on this show right now. In 2020 <laughs> COVID world, it is. I know. I can tell you what we do know is we're debuting a new segment here, and it's called Shoot Around, made famous by Tom Trainer. And so we're going to get right to it. Uh, to close the show here, everybody's going to give a shout out, and um, we'll just we'll start with Tom. It can be quick hits. What's happening, either in Villanova or the world of college basketball? What do you got? Um, well, no shout-out for any particular player on the Villanova men's team um, for me this week, but I'm going to start the season with a shout-out for the Villanova women's basketball program um, under a new head coach in Denise Dillon this year, an alumna of the program, replacing the legendary Harry Peretta, who retired at the end of last season. Um, and she started her career with a bang, um, had a great career at Drexel, leading that program, and now they're 6-0 and in her first season. They're 1-0 in the Big East. Um, they have one of the best players in the country and the leading scorer in the Big East, and Maddie Segrist, who's just a phenomenal sophomore player. Um, they have two Big East games coming up this week against Providence and Creighton, I believe. And then, you know, as big as it is for the UConn men's program to be back in the Big East for basketball, even bigger for the women's programs to have UConn Huskies and Gino Ariama um, back in the Big East. And Villanova women play UConn next Tuesday night, so big matchup. Uh, to look forward to in the fin. Um, so great start for Denise Dillon and can't be um, more excited than I am for the Villanova women's basketball team. Um, and for home games, just an FYI, um, you can catch, for example, the Creighton game um, this weekend on Saturday at noon. You can catch on Nova Nation All Access as the online platform. You can see that game. Um, but hopefully that UConn game will be on television somewhere next week. Awesome. I'm up next here on the shoot around and we're going to talk about Pennsylvania college basketball. Okay. So the big five got underway. Well, city six against a big five LaSalle against Drexel. So good to see those teams in action. Some uncertainty there as to when a lot of these teams are going to be playing. We've seen temple be shut down. Good to see a city matchup happen there. We talked about Penn state strong start for the Nittany lions, hammering Virginia tech. They lost a tough one to the Michigan Wolverines, but that team appears to be back. Jim Ferry coaching very well. And then the red flash. We just talked about him. St. Francis of PA. We talked about him coming close against Virginia. They did seal the deal against the university of Pittsburgh, which is just phenomenal in more than one way. So there you go. Pennsylvania college basketball. No shout-out to Pitt. Kevin Long, you're up. Uh, well, I, I didn't know St. Francis beat Pitt. I wouldn't have discredited him so quickly. What a signature win right there. Um, anyway, since we decided uh, about five minutes before the show that we were going to do our uh, new shoot-around segment here, I got a quick hitter for you. I'm going to go with Cole Swider. Been very critical of his defense over the past couple of years. Uh, was very pleased by his performance on Friday night, uh, hanging with some of those bigs on Georgetown. Uh, we need more of that from him, and, and I was impressed. There you go. See, and you know what? You don't need any advance notice for this. I came up with mine on the spot, just talking about Penn State and St. Francis. K-Mac. Well, I came up with mine, and it's not about basketball or Villanova. So I'm shouting out to Gus Malzahn for getting fired, but he still gets all of his $21.7 million. Half of it during the next 30 days. So you know what? Congrats, Gus Malzahn. 
And on that note, that's a thing of beauty there. It's a tough job, Auburn, but if you can just hang in there long enough to get that huge contract, the fans will want to fire you by the end of the next year. And that's a guarantee. You can take that to the bank. Guys, great show tonight. Anything we missed? Nope. Are we going to do our cat in the wild? I thought we were going to do that. Oh, uh, see? All right. You don't need advance notice. Let's hear it. The return of one of our favorite segments, definitely one of our top four, the cat in the wild. Speaking of returns, I'm going to shout out Jalen Brunson. Uh, had an injury towards the end of the non-COVID season, we'll call it, in the NBA. Uh, elected to get shoulder surgery after they went through you know, a two-month delay before they went into the bubble. Uh, just returned to practice for the first time last week. So really excited to see him back on the court, healthy, hoping for a big year for him uh, without any games started. That's, uh, that's about as good as it gets for Cats in the Wild this year. So Jalen Bronson, first Cat in the Wild for uh, the Villanova Basketball Report. Awesome. And it just has to be said that after, and I mean after, we started this Cat in the Wild segment last year, at Wells Fargo Center Games and at the Finn, Villanova would say, like, I thought it would, I think it was something like, Villanova players in the NBA or Villanova NBA showcase, some really uncreative name. And basically it was your segment, Kevin. And more than a few mm -hmm. times they would take the guy that you talked about in the prior week and throw him up there on the big board. So um, they're stealing your marketing ideas and they don't have you on the payroll. Yeah. Clearly they do not have the creative gene that we all have. I mean, look at the message that we all came up with behind Bob there. We, we clearly, we got it and Nova does not. That's right. Take that. And more segments to come on next week's show as well. We'll go back to the whiteboard. Kevin McClernand is going to do some Villanova and basketball trivia for us. And we roll on into the holiday season here. Two Villanova basketball games coming up this week. Butler on Wednesday and then Virginia on Saturday night. Enjoy the basketball, everyone. K-Mac, Kevin Long, Tom Trainer, alongside me, Bob Long, all bidding you adieu this evening. Take care.